My guest on this week's episode of Sesson Search is Claire Carlisle, local search expert at Bright Local, an independent digital marketing consultant at Claire Carlisle Marketing. For years now, Claire has been one of the most popular local SEO experts in the world. She's presented at many SEO conferences, including Local U, White Spark Local Search Summit, Brighton SEO, and SMX London. Her work for Bright Local has been extraordinarily good. If you like this episode, be sure to check out the Bright Local Academy. You can take courses taught by Claire, as well as other local SEO experts like Amanda Jordan and Nikki Mosier. They're really well done, and at least at the time this episode airs, it's totally free. Claire is also a frequent blogger on the Bright Local site. I'm going to start our conversation by asking her about a recent blog post that talked about how to manage store hours in GBP. Plus, it goes over the myriad ways this can go wrong. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Claire Carlisle. We'll talk about her contributions to the local search ranking factor study. We'll talk about her favorite client, Folly Farm. We'll spend a little time discussing Welsh cakes. Claire Carlisle, welcome to Southern Search. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited about this one. I'm a big fan of yours. And we're catching you at a good time. You've started a new gig at Bright Local, and I think you've been there a little while, long enough to at least tell us how it's been going. So tell, tell us the, the, about the role that you'll be working on at Bright Local and what, what we should expect from you in 2022. Ooh. Well, I uh, started working for Bright Local last April. Yeah, I remember now because they sent me a bottle of gin for my birthday. So that was nice. <laughs> um, and I work with them. So I am the uh, local search expert, which uh, is mostly meaning that I get to write and present courses for the academy. And I get to contribute um, content for their blog. And I get to chat to nice people like you and... Uh, <laughs> do some presentations and webinars and things like that. So it's lots of fun working with nice people. I love it. And if there's one thing I could plug for, for our audience about the Bright Local is that Bright Local Academy that you mentioned. You have a couple of courses up. Some of our friends are on there, like Nikki Mosier has a course up. This is really high quality. And so uh, I, I'd point them in that direction. So Yeah, for sure. And Amanda um, and um, Danny uh, has just done a course which was released yesterday i think which is on reporting which is really good well awesome well i i wonder if i could ask you about a blog post you wrote for bright local it's about oh. opening hours in in g formerly known as gmb now gbp i'm still getting used to this um <laughs> this is one that, that i think people who who don't work in local seo might not realize that this could become an issue I mean, it would be like, you mean to tell me that the businesses or the hours that are set on, on Google might not be right or there could be some confusion here? Uh, this, this might be a tough question to answer quickly or succinctly, but what don't they know about uh, hours on, on GBP? Why does this get tricky? I think that um, it's obviously always been important to have the correct hours wherever people are finding you, whether that's your website or Google business profile, Facebook page, et cetera, et cetera. But with, I mean, we're all still operating in this uh, COVID landscape, aren't we? So that's right. when um, things started to, you know, uh, people are starting to work differently. Products and services are being delivered in a different way. So again, it was very, very important for businesses to make sure that um, what they had in their business profile was current, was up to date. So the whole idea mm -hmm. that you could set it and forget it, um, 
even more than ever, was not correct. So then you right. have um, your opening times, and then I think, I can't remember exactly when it came out, there were, uh, you know, additional hours, additional types of hours. So new functionality that started to show up in um, Google My Business that businesses didn't necessarily know to update and what that would do. Well, fascinating. And I mean, we're filming, we're talking now in, what is this, the middle of January, the end of January? I can't keep track of it right now, but it's uh, yeah, we're in yeah. January for sure. So we've just wrapped up the the holiday season here in, in, the, in the States. It's Thanksgiving in November, Christmas and New Year's. Um, so like you need some special hours during those periods of time. Like for instance, Search Lab was totally closed between mm -hmm. Christmas and New Year that whole week. Yeah. If you... If if we we don't have a lot of people coming to our offices, but if we did, um, you know, we would want them to be aware we're not going to be there, right? So, is there a way that that you could help our audience understand where you want to make a temporary change? Like this isn't going to be like every Tuesday we're close. It's just for this period of time you want to make a, a change for for a holiday season or for something like that. Yeah. So then you have. Um... It's really good. It's like you're giving me a test. It's like, uh, when did I write this piece? And can I remember anything about it? So uh, your special hours. So Google could be just taking it that, okay, it's Christmas Day. Okay, it's Boxing Day. So they might be displaying in your business profile, um, you know, uh, hours might not be correct because of the holidays or whatever the wording is. So obviously you need to go in as a business and mark down what you are open. The, the times that you are open. Um, and that, I, I'm not sure how far in advance you can um, calendar that up because you could be doing your dates, you know, months in advance. And then there are um, additional hours, which Google rolled out, which um, are all sorts of things on there. It's like happy hour. I can't remember what else is in there, but it's a big uh, load of lozenges when you click on there, which doesn't actually do very much in terms of um, it doesn't inform Google in any additional way apart from um, somebody would click on your hours and would see underneath it, you know, maybe you had uh, a happy hour for an hour or something. Uh, people started using online hours during that time, but again, it, it doesn't really change very much about the, he the way that your business listing uh, looks in the um, but it would be relevant for someone if they did click on uh, more hours and see that. But yeah, so uh, Google rolled out a lot of changes um, to respond to the need for businesses to uh, update things quickly and easily during COVID. Um, but as is uh, the case often with business profile, it's not necessarily completely joined up. I love this. Okay. Well, I'll say, well, at the risk of giving you one more test question, I'm sorry, Claire, but I do have one more question about this blog post. Um, so th there's one other thing that you, you point out that I, I, again, I don't know that everybody knows that this, this goes on. So uh, other people, like someone else, could attempt to change your business hours. Or yeah. uh, I think what's more common actually would be like Google is pulling information from some third party that now – has, uh, has has tried to attempt to, at least an attempted change at your your hours. Either way, that's uh -huh. pretty annoying. Like we mm -hmm. want to be in total control of our store hours. Uh, we don't want some uh, somebody off the street to change it. How? What advice can you give people about being vigilant about this? Like making sure that your your store hours don't change because some some other actor. Hmm. Naughty Google, really, and naughty people changing things <laughs> that shouldn't be changed. I think um, right. there could be a very, very clever way of answering this that I'm not aware of. But in my experience, um, 
you know, a lot of time I'm checking manually. I'm going into the dashboard every other day. Google yeah. will let you know if someone has uh, made a change because that will show right at the top of your business profile. And I am sure that uh, anyone that is using third-party monitoring tools, uh, that would give you some sort of alert. But um, I would know if somebody had changed because I would be going in and out of my dashboard. Um, but it's just a thing to be uh, aware of for businesses is that, you need to monitor, you need to be having a look to see what your business profile actually says and what it looks like. Um, that was another presentation I did on different things that you needed to do to actually monitor and see what is happening and what things look like and to see what changes have been made because it, it is uh, possible that things can be changed. Um, and we did some testing just between um, some friends and some colleagues here how easy was it for them to change my opening times uh, and the answer was yes. very, very easy and it did get pushed live no into the business profile yeah what an interesting study so yeah i i think this is a this is something not everybody knows about so it's sort of like a consumer alert so i, I like this um all right so i want to abruptly change gears shift gears and go to talking about the local search ranking factors study which oh. you are a contributor to <laughs> Uh, Labs Vice President of Search, Greg Gifford, is also a contributor. It's like one of my favorite things in local SEO. So um, I, I hope you're okay with nerding out with me on this a little bit. Uh, so, let's, let's, let's try one here. So the study does a really good job. If you, if, if it started in 2008 with David Mim. It's now in the hands of Darren Shaw at Whitespark. And it does a really good job of discussing what's changing year after year. So like what signals are getting more weighted, have more heavily weighted, what's getting less weighted and so on and so forth. But one of the things that I like to look at is what's really not changing. Like mm -hmm. what state, what's important and has stayed important. You are quoted in the article as saying reviews <laughs> are as important, maybe more important than ever. So this is again, this is again, looking through, looking through the lens of a COVID world where reviews are just as important as ever. And I think this is what I really love to talk about is like, what's going to stay the same this year? I think reviews have a chance to be just as important a signal as we continue to live through COVID, mm -hmm. you know, maybe help our audience understand how are reviews taking on an added significance? An added significance. I just, when did I say, you know, I'm just like, what did I say in the local search ranking? Uh, reviews, what do we do? We, we use them. We use them as consumers, don't we? We use them to make a judgment over which yes. business to use over another. Um, and it's that sort of basic foundational marketing that you are what people say you are. So uh, obviously they're important or... One of the things about the local search ranking factors is however many people are interviewed, obviously we don't know how the algorithm works. What we're looking at with, with, with yeah. that uh, survey is what people think could be the, the case. So it's right. talking to professionals, people that work in agencies and all sorts of things about their experience. Um, and so I like to take reviews because when is that never going to matter? Because it's obviously important right. for the algorithm, but it is totally important to our potential customers. Um, so right. one of the, you know, we've done countless talks about, you know, how to get reviews, how to get keywords in reviews, how to, you know, how, you know review and feedback loop, how to use reviews, how mm -hmm. you can use them on your website, um, how you can mark up first party reviews for schema, all those types of things. But um, what we always need to remember is that we 
as local search marketers are also um, consumers and buyers of goods and services. So we need to think about how we use uh, reviews to help us make decisions. So that's why reviews is important. Yeah, I love this. Uh, and it's it's so important for conversion, right? Like it's like if you're going to uh, – I just think about myself as a consumer. Yeah. Before I go somewhere, I look at the reviews, mm-hmm. right? And, and mm-hmm. so – we spend a lot of time as, as local SEOs, and I think these are all important things, talking about posts and Q&A and everything mm-hmm. like that. But really coaching our clients through reviews can be a way to drive up conversions, can it? I mean, it seems, yeah, seems to yeah, of course. But I think also people, um, when they get into the world of reviews, they think about uh, total number, um, aggregate uh, ratings. But what we mustn't forget is that reviews are also a source of learning. You know, they're... A, um, that's why I say it's a feedback loop in that you should be taking the um, the corpus of those reviews, you know, running them through an engram or something like that, some analyzer so you can pick up um, themes within that. And then you can you can really easily see, well, you know, what are the themes that are um, giving people joy and what are the themes that are causing problems, you know, w- within right. this uh, corpus of review. So um, not to overlook the fact that there is a manual element of actually reading them <laughs> And looking at them right. and wor- working out what they mean. It's right. just not reviews aren't, oh, God, well, you know, we'll get reviews and we've got six million reviews and we can use them for schema. It's like, no, but what can we actually learn from our reviews? Yes, yes. Yeah, you can really, uh, we we could go down a rabbit hole, you and I, on reviews. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try one other one, though, because I want to talk about the less fun stuff in our industry as well, <laughs> which is that uh, Google weights keywords in the, I keep wanting to say GMB, GBP business title heavily. Uh, this has led, as, as everyone knows, anybody who's in local SEO knows, this has led to a lot of spam. Uh, businesses will use all sorts of tactics to try and enter keywords into their business title. Uh, you say in the, in the post, you're quoted again saying, sadly, there still exists plenty of crap on the map. I don't know. This is a, an open-ended question, but is this trend ever going to die down? Is this just going to be with us forever? And what what can people do? Uh, well, yeah, uh, there's always going to be spammers and people that want to um, sort of make a quick buck in a way, isn't it? But when you think about, you know, it's not I haven't uh, worked in a lot of spammy industries uh, when I have and taken a quick look, you know, that some industries you're going to see a lot of fake listings, a lot of keyword stuffed uh, business names. And I know that um, you spoke uh, a while ago to Colin about um, basically, well, we've had the vicinity update, which supposedly has dialed down, you know, some of the uh, keyword stuff, supposedly um, looking at uh, the results that people are getting with that. Um But we have all these businesses that did legitimately change their names, um, which is also making the map look spammy, but it's justified spam. But then you have to come down to um, how could you build a brand around generic keyword modified business name? And that's where... um, I've been involved with, you know, especially small and medium sized business at the, at the time of uh, ideation of the business. And you think about mm. naming conventions. So there's this idea that you need something which is uh, unique and that you can build a brand around. But obviously, it's going to be helpful to also include your primary 
category or some sort of attribute or modifier that is what you do. And with small businesses, uh, any businesses, you need to think about, okay, well, is that going to limit what you can do because you're using, you know, how the business can grow because you're saying, uh, I don't know, my name is um, Amethyst Window Cleaning. Window cleaning is the only thing that you can do with that, isn't it? Whereas, so yeah, it's that balance of, um, you know, I want to include a keyword, but I also need to have a name that I can build a brand around. Because otherwise you're looking at the map and you're like, I want a plumber. Oh, you've got, oh, London plumber, London plumber, London plumber. You know, how do you, how do you uh, differentiate between them? So yeah, spam is, is still a thing. Um, I know that uh, in my experience, um, sort of on, on a low level, trying to get rid of spam is, 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 is not as easy as it used to be, I would say. Um, but depending on uh, which industry you're in, definitely getting rid of some of the spammier competitors uh, off of the map is going to result in increased visibility for your own client with their proper business name. <laughs> I love this. Okay. And then last thing. So I want just like a really simple, actionable thing that somebody on our uh, listening to this might be able to do. And I saw something that, that came to mind. So Darren lists the top 20 local pack factors and the top 20 negative factors. So the top factor is primary GMB category. The top negative factor is incorrect business category. So it sounds like business categories are a good place to start. Uh, you know, you get to have additional business categories too. Do you have some quick tips and strategies for something? This is just the fundamentals of setting up GMB or GBP uh, the right way. But it seems like it can be a big difference between success and failure if this, this doesn't go right or if you're not uh, if you're not careful about it. What 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 advice can you give people about category selection? Um choose the correct one and uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you look at that you look at is this based around yeah. search volume so thinking about um right. you know you might be trying to rank for one term it's going to be easier uh, there's less competitors with that primary category but then there's less volume around that so with regard to um categories obviously it's useful to know what categories there are that exist so you can do that in a number of different ways you can do it using i can't remember what's it called the gmb everywhere um chrome extension so you can look at your nearest competitors and then there is the tool pleeper i just like to say it like that pleeper pleeper uh which has got the all of the categories which you can um export as well so you can look at that look at your competitors you know, you should know the business that you're working with inside out in terms of what are the, the primary products and services. And then um, with regard to primary categories, I know that I've listened to uh, Joy talk a lot about um, uh, practitioner listings. And if you have multiple listings within the same uh, business, then you can mix it up. So you have the primary category for one, as something, you know, maybe law or whatever that is, mm -hmm. and then type of law for the yeah. practitioners. Um, also, some businesses um, will need to change their primary category around depending on seasonality. So, again, yeah. that's it's not another thing that you can go, oh, right, yeah, that's the category, it's done, because you might find yep. that Google 
removes a category, adds a category. That's another thing that, will, that comes up is yeah. uh, I worked with a business that is an escape room and there was no escape room category. So as soon as there was an escape room category, then they could use that as their primary category, whereas before they'd been something like tourist attraction, uh, which obviously wasn't as relevant. And people were searching for escape room, but there was no keyword match category. So that's going to give Google a lot more information now they've added that. So again, it's Joy publishes um, her, the new categories that she sees once a month. So um, if you're waiting on something, uh, it's a good idea to keep, keep an eye on that and to see what's new and what's gone away. Well, I, I like this is... Uh... Some of that, there was a lot in there, but some of that advice is similar to what you said about opening hours, which is there's nothing on here that you set it and forget it, right? It's, it's always mm -hmm. something that you should be you should be engaged with and, and working on. So um, I wonder if we could have a little bit of fun. So I'm going to have a few questions here that I I got from Greg Gifford. Oh, so no. The first thing he said to ask you about. I know. Is it? Yeah. What, what is Folly Farm? I don't know what about Folly Farm. What is Folly Farm? So Folly Farm. Is this a client or something? Like it is a client, yeah. So it's Folly Farm mm -hmm. Adventure Park and Zoo, which is here in Wales. They're my <laughs> okay. absolute favourite client in the world. So they have a big attraction. So they have loads and loads of animals. They do animal experiences. Wow, They've got man. a fun fair. Um, so they're, they're just amazing. So the you know it's like the the dream client. You know you're never yeah. going to be you're never going to be short of content. It's like here's a picture of a sloth. Here's a baby rhino. You know, this is someone feeding a giraffe. So um, I love them. That's Folly Farm. So I talk about them a lot because they're my favorite. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then this is where uh, Greg gives me just like two words. It's like he, it's no context. So he doesn't tell me. I don't know anything more than you do. So it's kind of a high wire act for both of us. So what he has for you, he has two no context Greg questions. The first one is Welsh cakes. Welsh, what are Welsh cakes? cakes. Welsh cakes. So Welsh cakes are little, they're very flat, sweet cake, and they have sultanas in them, and they're a Welsh thing. And when I go okay. to Brighton SEO, I like to take a little wicker basket with me full of Welsh cakes, which then I, I give to all my uh, lovely, lovely friends. That's awesome. And we, we have a... Uh... A Welshman in my company, Josh oh. Roberts. So I'm going to ask him about these things and see okay. if I can. Yeah, I can get them without traveling all the way uh, across the pond. So I'll send the, you some. The last one. Oh, well, that would be very nice. So the last question from Greg, <laughs> I promise you, is he said the candle incident. He said the skull candle. candle. Does this, does this, yeah. Does this make sense? It makes total sense. It's uh, <laughs> Greg on a uh, Halloween uh, webinar. Um, had a had a little little skull candle, which it did. It didn't look like a skull, and um, and it gave everyone quite a surprise. The end. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, very good. Well, the the only other thing I would say is uh, he said to to point out that you're everyone's favorite local SEO person. It's not hard to see why. You're a delightful conversation partner, and I've really enjoyed this. Uh, Claire, if people want to get in touch with you. What's your favorite social media? What's your favorite way to, to get in touch with people? I think Twitter. So uh, on Twitter, at Claire Carlisle. Okay, awesome. And uh, we'll be sure to link to your content on Bright Local. And just still looking forward to everything you do in 2022. I may be 
go for a swim in the freezing cold water here later today, just as a inspiration from looking at your Twitter today. Um, but but uh, in the meantime, Claire, it's been delightful talking to you. And uh, I'm going to sign off for now. We'll be back next week with another episode of Suds and Search. Thank you.